are a child or childlike and you'd like to come down for a little children's sermon, we'd love to see your faces. Paul's thinking about coming down. I see you. <laughs> Good morning. Yes. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning. Yeah, perfect spot. Well, when it was around Christmas time and I was growing up, my mom would buy me a canister of popcorn. It was actually not just for me, it was for my brother and I to share. It was like this big, you can still buy them today, but they were really popular when I was growing up. And there were three flavors inside. You could get butter, caramel, or cheddar popcorn. Now I liked the caramel kind. That was definitely the best kind. And my brother liked the cheddar kind, which worked out perfectly for us because he ate the cheddar and I ate the caramel. But my brother and I can be kind of competitive at times, so we would say, ooh, I'd say, well, the caramel's much better. And he'd say, well, no, the cheddar is much better. Nobody really ate the butter kind. But anyway, we would eat those. And then later, I grew up and I learned that there are some people around the Chicago area that put cheddar and caramel popcorn together and they eat them. So you have this sort of cheddar-y, sweet flavor, and you eat them both together, and it's really quite tasty. This morning, we have a story of two sisters, Martha and Mary. And Martha is known for being a doer. She likes to serve others by cooking dinner and cleaning and welcoming people into her home. She is known as the sort of servant doer. And we have Mary. And Mary loves to pray and be with Jesus and love him with her whole heart and her mind. And, and sometimes we say one is better than the other or one is, is better like I did with the popcorn, the caramel, and my brother liked the cheddar, that one's better than the other. But really, being a disciple is actually about both. Putting them together. Loving God like Mary with your heart, mind, and soul, and loving your neighbor as yourself like Martha. So a true disciple does both. It doesn't have to be a competition. We can do both. Let us pray together and invite God into our lives to help us do both of those things. Gracious God, thank you for each person present here. We're grateful for each of their lives and how they are both servants and connected to your love. Help us to live our lives connected to your presence so that our service and our times of quiet can be centered in you. Amen. Thank you guys. If you are free, four or five, you can go with Pastor Maggie to the small chapel for Children's Church. What? Yeah. Last week, Carol began her sermon talking about the Good Samaritan with a metaphor of how she thinks that the Good Samaritan scripture passage can sometimes be like laying back in a mattress. But 
On a closer read, it's more like one of those 1970s pull-out couches that has that metal bar on your back and kind of is difficult to get comfortable. If I was going to continue her metaphor for the way that I feel about this story this morning, it would be more like a pillow fight. And not one of those cute ones where people are dancing on the bed. There is a broken lamp in the corner and somebody has a black eye. Like, it is wrestling. I wrestle with this story. Part of that you can see in my sermon title. At the end of the story, I'm like, yeah, but who's making supper? That might be putting myself on blast a little bit because I have a lot of Martha doing energy in me. <laughs> but that brings me to my next rub. If you're a woman and you grew up in the faith tradition, the Christian faith tradition, you likely at some retreat, some Bible study, some book study, somebody's asked you, are you a Mary or a Martha? And my problem here is not with the paradigms that we set up for these women. Martha is the doer, the action-oriented faith. Mary is the contemplative, beautiful spirit. My problem is with the or. It's not one or the other. You see, this scripture passage, these five verses, it's a really short story actually, is shoved between the Good Samaritan, which is what Carol preached on last week, where we explore the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And it's this amazing story of someone who loves their neighbor as themselves. And next week, the scripture passage right after this, we're going to learn all about the Lord's Prayer. Probably the best way that we know to connect with our heart and our mind and our soul with God is through prayer. It's through this prayer we pray every week. I don't think that the author of Luke is trying to make us choose between one or the other. He situates the story right here so that we can decide how we are going to live out our faith as a disciple of Jesus Christ. At the beginning of the story, we have Mary and Martha doing their best, living their best lives. Martha has welcomed Jesus. We know that to welcome a disciple, to welcome a stranger, and especially to welcome Jesus is winning. It is being a true disciple. We also know that Jesus doesn't usually travel alone. So probably in welcoming Jesus, you're welcoming his entire entourage. And she says, welcome to my home. And she starts getting busy and working. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. In the New Testament, when you sit at the feet of someone, you're honoring them. You're listening. Your full presence is toward what they have to say. And that's what Mary is doing here. Both doing what it means to be a disciple. And then we discover that Martha is distracted. And I think she's not only a little bit distracted, but she also might be a little bit resentful and a little bit overwhelmed. She's feeling some strong emotions here. And we know this because the next verse says that she reaches out to Jesus, 
slightly passive aggressively, right? <laughs> She's like, Lord, do you not see all that I'm doing here? And my sister is doing nothing? Ask her to help me. Martha kind of puts Jesus on the spot here. And we all know that in the New Testament, when you put Jesus on the spot, you're going to get an answer. And it might not always be as clear as you'd like it for it to be. <laughs> and so Jesus says, Martha, Martha. And I read this more as so caring and endearing. It's like you're writing to your best friend, my dearest Emily, like my dearest Jamie, I, Martha, Martha. It's not like Martha, Martha, you know, it's Martha, Martha. He's caring for her in this response. And he says, you're distracted by many things. Only one thing is needed. Clear as mud, right? Like only one thing. But, but what is that one thing? And so as I was wrestling with this text this week, I got excited about all the different ways we might interpret this scripture passage, only one thing is needed. So as a Christian progressive pastor, I have the opportunity to have many interpretations of scripture and I get to look at them and say, which one is best for which moment in my life? And how might I be more faithful to the scriptures and to Christ through the different interpretations that I might encounter? So I'll start with the most literal one that I came up with, which I'm usually not as big of a fan of, but I kind of like this one. Martha's in the kitchen and she is cooking the ham and the turkey and the salad and the potato salad and that salad that's made of jello and the salad that has the fruit in it and the macaroni and cheese and the bread and the pie and the and, and you know, she's got the entire feast in front of her. And Jesus looks at her and is like, Martha, Martha, you're distracted by so many things. Only one thing is needed. Keep it simple. You know that I love macaroni and cheese the most. <laughs> Only one thing. We, our lives don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be so complex with all the things. Keep it simple. Another interpretation might be, and this one I came up with because Carol came into my office because she knew how much I was wrestling. She was like, how's it going? <laughs> and I said, I wish that I was preaching to my students the first couple weeks of classes. Because I think this passage actually has a really beautiful message for them. Okay, imagine yourself. You're off to college, maybe for the first time, or maybe, you know, coming up in a month. And you have all of the syllabuses of all the things you're supposed to learn. You have to continue to encounter a global pandemic to keep yourself healthy. You have a new roommate that you may or may not get along with. You have to learn to feed yourself. You have to learn to wash your clothes. I mean, the distractions are endless. And I feel like for the entire month of September, I'm sitting down with students saying, I know it's so overwhelming. It is very overwhelming and it's so normal to be overwhelmed and distracted. Let's just choose the next one thing. The next one thing in our lives. Take it one step at a time. And I promise this, this transition will get a little bit easier. Maybe what Jesus is saying is, Martha, Martha, you're distracted. Just, just do the next task and it'll be okay. 
The last two interpretations I want to share are basically the same interpretation and probably the most obvious and the ones that you've heard before. Martha, Martha, you're distracted by so many things. Only one thing is needed. The presence of God. Practicing the presence of Jesus Christ. And in this third interpretation, because the story doesn't have an ending, I think Martha might take a deep breath and say, wow, I'm feeling alone in this work that I'm doing. But I know that through this work, I can practice the presence of God. In the 1600s, like kind of in the middle of there, a man named Brother Lawrence wrote a little tiny book. I have it in my office because I love it. It's called Practicing the Presence of God. And you might think as a monk, he's talking about the practices of the daily hours and the prayer and the meditation. But in this, he talks most about how he feels the palpable presence of God when he's washing dishes, when he's making a meal for his brothers. He's centered on that love of God and that meal, those dishes are a way that he can share that love with others. And he's overwhelmed with the presence of God and the love that he has to share. Maybe Jesus is saying, Martha, Martha, you're distracted by many things. Only one thing is needed for you to show up as your full self in your vocation and to be centered on the presence of God. And so in this ending, Martha goes back to her tasks and she finds that presence in her tasks. The last interpretation would be when Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're distracted by many things. Only one thing is needed. He's not criticizing her and saying, only one thing is needed. Come and sit in my presence. I'm the big deal. That's not Jesus. That's not who we know. Jesus isn't a narcissist. Jesus is offering her a glass of cold water on the hottest, most humid summer day. He's saying, Martha, take a breath. Breathe in my presence and rest. He's saying, Martha, your worth, your value, who you are is not wrapped up into your productivity and all the things that you're doing every day. You are a child of God. You can rest in my presence. He's saying, you know what, Martha? There is a savior of the universe. And it's not you. You can have freedom in that. I am the savior. And I can give you rest. My, your burden is great, but my burden and yoke is light. Come and be in my presence. And yes, there's still a lot to do. Supper is still going to be made. But that becomes the periphery when we are able to sit at the center of Jesus and allow for that message of abundance not the scarcity that is, I don't have enough time and energy and money and resources to fix all of this stuff. It is saying, in Christ, all have enough and you are enough. So take a deep breath and breathe in my presence and sit with me. Sit with us. See, this scripture passage is wedged between the parable of the Good Samaritan 
and the teaching of the Lord's Prayer. And the end is unwritten. We are invited to love our neighbor as ourselves and to love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, and soul and to write the ending of this parable with our very lives. May we accept that invitation. Amen.